0: Hey everybody, it's Matt, and this is Lucas, and this is Thanks for Playing, the podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer.
1: Oh! <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I know if you were going to
0: do that this time, since we have an awesome guest on. I know, I wanted to
1: give a little dramatic pause there, but yes, everyone, as Lucas has mentioned, today we are joined by a wonderful guest known as the grandpa of the Kingdom Hearts community and the co-host of the wonderful Kingdom Hearts Union podcast, Churo. Churo, what's up, man? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? Doing we're well? feeling good. Feeling good. We're well, well into, the new, into the new year um, <laughs> and we're, we're making headway. But sure, I wanted to give you the opportunity. So why don't you tell the people a little bit about your podcast, uh, what you do, and some of your involvement in the Kingdom Hearts uh, community? Because I know that's a really big thing for you.
2: Well, as you guys mentioned, I am the co-host for Kingdom Hearts Union. <laughs> it's a you know podcast that basically dives into anything Kingdom Hearts related. Doesn't matter if it's news or anything related to Kingdom Hearts, like merchandise. At times, there's also um, Brandon likes to dive into um, like gaming. Uh, he's he's a he's a what's he called? He's a game designer, so he likes to dive into that. So sometimes you can. You know, we talk about how the games are made and how they affect. You know, how the games are made and stuff, especially during the development of Kingdom Hearts Three. It was a pretty big topic at hand. So we dive anything that's, you know, Kingdom Hearts related, Square Enix related, even Final Fantasy related because that has a role in the Kingdom Hearts series. So yes, we like definitely. to cover everything about that. So
1: love it. Yeah, I man. <laughs> yeah. I, I especially I remember I, I discovered you guys as a podcast when during the lead up to Kingdom Hearts three like the year and a year and a half before, and that was like every every I think biweekly you guys come out right biweekly is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, like every I remember every other week I'd be like new episode, new episode. I need like my my Kingdom Hearts dose because, um, I mean obviously you know we've had so many in between games but the the build up and just the. Yeah, the build-up to Kingdom Hearts 3, it was just like, oh my god, how many salivating? It, it was a very long buildup, <laughs> yes, like 13 years, I think. But, uh, Ed, in, in case anyone hasn't gotten the hit yet, um, today we are talking about the number one Disney anime simulator. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, good, great, that's a good way to call it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what we'll call it the Disney animator <laughs> simulator. Oh gosh, yeah, everyone, today we're talking about Kingdom mm. Hearts. Obviously, um, kind of an incredible game that it even exists, right? Yeah. Um, to to give everyone kind of a little bit of context of this game, like what it is, if you're not at all familiar with it, it's like Donald, Goofy, and friends with anime characters from Final Fantasy. That's like <laughs> anime characters
0: fighting character. f- yeah. in action RPG style, going to different Disney worlds to play through. The Disney story of that world and defeat a final boss that relates to an overall larger story. Um, I'm sure Trudeau probably has a lot more detail in there and you know there's a lot more going on in the Final Fantasy series or sorry in the Kingdom Hearts series outside of just this one game Um, but this was my first playthrough and I just couldn't believe that this game exists at all. Um, The fact that Disney is so (laughs) like notoriously protective of their likeness the characters and the way they're used. and, you know, teaming up with a Japanese video game company to make this game and this series really happen. Um, I, I just I just can't believe it. I'm, Trudeau, I'm sure you have um, anecdotes or, you know, some sort of origin story for something like yeah.
2: this. Yeah, it's always... It's basically happened as fate would have it. And, and back in Japan, Disney and actually Square Enix, who were called Squaresoft back in during those times... They shared a uh, building together, so uh, a Square Enix representative by the name of Shinji Hashimoto, who's very you know well known from fans, uh, happened to have to stay be in an elevator, and then a Disney representative actually walked in the elevator with them. As you know, as they were taking the elevator up, they discussed you know the possibility of them working together, and. Basically, when, when Hashimoto-san left the elevator, he went and spoke with uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi, who is the creator of Final Fantasy. They were discussing, you know, what what transpired in the elevator. And then uh, Tetsuya Nomura, who is the director of the Kmart series, wh- who was working at Squaresoft as a, a, a character designer, a monster designer, overheard that conversation, and he threw his hat into the mix <laughs> saying, you know, I'll be the one to do this. And Sakaguchi and Hashimoto-san were looking at each other like, yeah, let, let's get this guy a shot. And lo and behold, Kingdom Hearts was born.
0: Kingdom Hearts. It's...
1: It's so nice. What I would do want to point out too that I love about this is it literally basically became from an elevator pitch of two people meeting in an elevator because you always hear like if you go in at least in my background, a business major, like the whole everyone always says you need to have an elevator pitch ready. Right. Which is where it's like the idea of literally this exact situation where if you're find yourself in an elevator with a hype executive to whatever you want to do or whatever business you want to join, are you able to pitch yourself um, within like 30 seconds of that elevator? ride Or something. And like, that's how this was essentially made. It was an elevator pitch to me when they met with Disney executive, which is just nutty. Was, yeah, it, it was, was, was the
0: game? Was the idea of the game fleshed out at the time within the elevator? Or was it something like, hey, let's discuss the possibility of combining our characters into a singular universe for a game and let's figure out what kind of game it is later? Or it, did, it, was that all fleshed out?
2: It, it wasn't fleshed out. It was just mainly, they're just, you know, talking back of course saying, hey, we enjoy what you do. They enjoy what we do. You know, it would be pretty cool if we can actually, you know, come up with a game together, and then you know that was mainly it. And then you know when uh, Hashimoto was talking to Sakaguchi, they were discussing, you know, oh, you know, Disney, you know, wants to work with us on a on a game, and and uh, you know, it's, it's basically just you know little gossip going around, basically.
0: That's so interesting. Did did Disney and and you know. This, this probably has so many, like, this is, this is just such an awesome origin story. But the, the thing that blows my mind is the fact that it's Disney, right? And I know yeah. Disney back then wasn't as big as they are now. They've basically taken over the world since since the early 2000s, right? Back, yeah. I mean, they've always been huge, and they've always been very protective of their brand. But now even more so, and they own even more. Um, how, how did they, like, really take this and say, like, okay, you can have Donald and Mickey or you can have Donald and Goofy fighting. Like, how did that pass any sort of Disney? Like, okay, yeah, we're cool with that. Oh, they,
2: it reminds me of a story. Uh, you know, give me a moment, because it was actually revealed. Uh, I think earlier this month or last month. Um, it was actually revealed in a little blur- like a little Japanese uh, blurb, where oh, okay. how uh, Square Enix had this is when michael eisner was in charge of disney Mm -hmm. so they the the kingdom hearts team had already made something before even like even showing um disney
1: oh so they had like a mock-up made like a mock-up like demo or something
2: yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to find it right now because Well, hey, while
1: you search for that, so I can give the the wonderful listeners a better idea of what we're talking about, in case you haven't played, let me go into a a brief synopsis of Kingdom Hearts, just so you can get a better idea of what we'll be talking about going forward. Go for it. Sora, Riku, and Kairi are three friends that grew up together on the Destiny Islands. Having long dreamed of exploring new worlds, they plan a voyage on a raft. But alas, before they can leave the world it is plunged into darkness and the heartless aka creatures of darkness begin to engulf their world in the ensuing chaos riku disappears into the darkness and kairi is swept away and put into a comatose like state and sora obtains the keyblade a legendary weapon that is extremely effective against the heartless upon the destruction of the island Sora awakens in traverse town where he makes the acquaintance of (laughs) you guessed it donald duck and goofy Together, the three embark on a journey to to save the various worlds from the darkness, find Ryukyu and Kairi, and then to find Donald and Goofy's king, King Mickey. Love it. Dang. What a yeah. game. I just <laughs> when I was typing out the synopsis, it's just like this is so ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah. Once yeah. you like, bring in Donald and Goofy into the fray, it's like what? Is, yeah. What is this
0: game and they, they like, get brought um, up like kind of um, in, a, in a really interesting way how they get introduced in it kind of paralleling like Sora getting introduced with his friends and stuff. And like you see like separate <laughs> scenes in another world of Donald and Goofy looking for King Mickey. And then cutting back to Sora, it's just, I don't know, it's a very cool introduction in the very first game, for sure, because it kind of like, it's kind of unbelievable to see those those two genres like clashing and those two classics kind of coming together. Um, and I don't know, I think it's a, a great way of introducing us into this world, which has now become this beloved series.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, we can go a little bit more into the game, unless, Troy, did you have that story
2: up? Mm. I don't even know how long it's been since it happened, but I do remember bits and pieces of it. Basically, uh, he stated, uh, I forgot who, who it was, it was somebody on the development team, basically had this like already like, mock-up video of like everything, and they had Michael Eisner uh, fly to Japan to <laughs> meet with Square Enix staff about, you know, this the, game they already had yeah like this game about i don't want to say like they already had a lot of development done in the in the um but were the, they the using game. like goofy and donald at the at that point There were i believe so they had already made um like disney oh here it is found it okay all right let's see this is, this is right here this is The the author of the piece is involved in Sony Computer Entertainment America, which brought the piece on, um, explains the concept of Kingdom Hearts, uh Disney and Square collapse and Disney Worlds. It says he made the presentation requesting formal approval for the first game to Eisner and Bob Eager. So basically, uh his name is um Shuji Utsumi, who's the uh Business strategist for Octoco and former VP Managed Director of Asia Pacific at Disney Interactive in the 2000s So he was the one that made the presentation for formal approval to make this game to Michael Eisner who was the CEO at the time and Bob Eager and Basically the experimental Kingdom Hearts project began without Disney authorization Which Square <laughs> wasn't aware of. So basically they started the project before they even got formal approval <laughs>
0: wow and then they actually I demoed the game to the ceo of disney at the time for him to kind of like understand what was going on there
2: yeah now, so when
0: okay go ahead. Go, sorry go ahead go ahead i was gonna
2: i was gonna continue on but go ahead
0: Well, I was just going to say, so, um, and this is uh, kind of something I want to talk about a little bit later in the podcast, is the essence of Disney in all of these Kingdom Hearts games and how how Disney matters to the Kingdom Hearts series in general. Because I think the game is really interesting and really good in and of itself, and you're playing through all these different Disney worlds, um, but there's so much to it that's non-Disney as well that's really great, and some of the originality in it is just so cool inside the actual Kingdom Hearts universe, outside of the Disney uh, IPs. Um, but I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit later. So I wanted to know, like, how how much were they planning on using and maybe even how much Disney would have wanted in there, you know? I mean, it was going to be a lot. I mean, uh, from the way originally
2: Nomura wanted um, Donald Duck as the main character. <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> really? Reading that, yeah. No, wait.
2: And then uh, and I believe
0: uh, Disney wanted Mickey as the... That's natural, right? Of course. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Because Disney's like, hey, this is a Disney game. Come on, guys. <laughs> Who's Flag-tion this kid? character, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Or, or it could be that or it could be reverse roles. Like, I think Namar wanted Mickey, but they wanted, or Disney wanted Donald. It was one of those two. I can't remember which one was which. And basically, with the disagreement between both sides, Nomar then... Uh, brought his original uh, artwork of Sora when he was a lion form with the chainsaw as weapon. Yeah,
1: I love those pictures. Yeah, it's like and running around the chainsaw. <laughs> That's what it is. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. That's so pretty, that
2: was so, so that was that was one of the moral ships to the U.S. to talk with Disney over there. Right. But this was this was like occurred after like the whole um, history that I'm going to reveal to on the show. But um, I think from the very beginning, Nomura wanted Disney to be absolutely like hundred percent there, and, yeah, and integral, yeah. like mainly integral role than anything.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. Um, and just diving into the story a little bit more, you know, like the Disney princesses really play a big role into like kind of the. The goals of the the villains play a big role into, you know, what we're fighting against and who we fight. You fight the main villain of all, like, the major stories that you you visit. You fight, um, what's the name of the hunter from Tarzan? Clayton. Uh, yeah, Platon, you fight him. Yeah. Um, for those of you that have never played Kingdom Hearts, you fight him. You fight Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Uh, you fight Captain Hook uh, from Peter Pan. Uh, you fight Boge- the Boogeyman from... Uh, Oogie Nightmare Boogie for Christmas, yeah, Oogie Boogie. Uh, so you fight the main villains of all these uh, Disney games as the central bosses of every zone, every world. And you know what's what's interesting, Trudeau. I thought was really cool is you know I'm I'm a big Square guy. I actually grew up on '90s like JRPGs on the Super Nintendo. My favorite, some of my favorite games are like Chrono Trigger, Secret of Evermore, and Mana, um, Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy VII, even. And like this game is so like. JRPG-like in that, you know, you go to a zone, you go through a dungeon, you fight a boss, there's an item shop somewhere, Um, it even has the same, you know, there's potions, high potions, ether, um, mega elixirs and stuff like that. The difference with Kingdom Hearts, what makes it so interesting is that the boss is a Disney boss. (laughs) That's like the (laughs) big difference. And, um, you know, of course, the mobs and the people that you fight are all going to be like Heartless and kind of the original Square Enix creation. Um, but ultimately, Disney is what you're playing through and playing against, um, which I think is just so cool. It, it's unique because
2: like yeah. never, you know, like you said, Square en- uh Disney is actually overprotective of their IP. So to have a another a video game company, you know, I mean, Disney ga- video games, you know, aren't, you know, there aren't new, you know, but they've been right, making right. games since like as early as the NES And, but to have, uh, but these were made by, you know, program, you know, people who work within Disney. This is like the first time a, another company, especially a Japanese company. Uh, And a big company too. A very big company too.
0: A well-known company. Yeah. You know, and then
2: also the main development is in, in the U.S. It's in Japan too. Yeah. So So it's just very different when you think about it. And while we're on the
1: topic of the villains too, I just want to point out like, I love how well the Disney villains are also integrated into the story, right? Because you have, like, like, sure, I mean, I I was going to say, I don't know if you've played, but I I know you obviously have played Kingdom Hearts 3, and one of my biggest personal, like, I think it was a fun game, but one of my gripes with it is that, for me personally, I thought that the Disney worlds were just, like, inserted in there, like, the the Disney worlds themselves and what, like what was going on in the world. It didn't really feel
2: that relevant to the plot. That and was everybody's biggest. gripe Because <laughs> yeah, it didn't yeah. feel like it's almost like with the introduction of the organization 13,
0: basically spoilers. <clears throat> I don't know any of this stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> Lucas hasn't played Kingdom <laughs> no, no, Hearts 2. <laughs> I've, I've this is my first Kingdom Hearts just so oh. the audience knows, but no, go ahead. I don't, I don't mind.
2: I was going to say, I, I wasn't going to really spoil anything, but that too, that much, but I was going to say that ever since the introduction of that, the Disney characters felt kind of like a step back.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause I you know, mean, because one, the, the whole, the whole thing is like these villains are, you know, like Captain Hook, um, Hades, Malificia, it's like this big, bad, like, um, Cabal. Cabal motley crew of like villains, um, Disney villains that are like have this big high arching goal and they're each playing a little part in like you interacting with the heartless and things like that. Whereas in the later games, I don't, I haven't played Kingdom Hearts 2 in a little while, so I don't remember it quite as well. But I mean, yeah, obviously, we already mentioned Kingdom Hearts 3 is definitely a victim of this, where like they're, it's very much the Disney worlds are they're just there at this point because it's Kingdom Hearts and there has to be Disney worlds, you know? Yeah. Like I remember in Kingdom Hearts 3, there's the Frozen World is in there and it just like, Sora and Goofy and Donald being there just felt so incredibly out of place. Like, they do the whole frozen bit, you know, and they're singing, and then you just see, like, Sora, Donald, and Goofy, like, randomly in the background in certain parts while, while they're singing the fucking Let It Go. It's just like, what? Like, <laughs> so, that's one thing I do. Yeah, I really want to praise this game for. It's just how well it uses the Disney villains. It really does bring them and make them a part of the story, which is just awesome.
2: Well, but within the terms of Kingdom Hearts, it's basically. Um, the way I always describe it to people who don't know what Kingdom Hearts is, especially, you know, my friends and family, it's like, just imagine a Disney game but with, like, Final Fantasy elements, basically. Like yeah, a Final yeah. Fantasy-type story. You know, it wasn't meant to be something really childish like any of the Disney games that was made prior. You know, it was just... It was meant to be made on its own thing because... Uh, going back to the original, the, the origin story, one of the things Nomura stated was that uh, Sakaguchi had told Nomura that if he were to make the plot, you know, very complex, then you know people can be intrigued by it more because you know it won't be easy to figure out. Right. So he even told him, you know, don't make don't make the story too easy because everybody is not going to be interested in it. And lo and behold, he created this entire story, created new characters, <laughs> and it's like, and it is what it is right now because of Sakaguchi telling him more of that. Yeah. And If it didn't get
1: crazy in Kingdom Hearts, my God, did it get convoluted later as time went so, on? I, I
0: I wanted I wanted to dive into that as an as a non Kingdom Hearts uh, guy like like a two of you. Um, you know, for for the viewers that don't know, Kingdom Hearts has had so many games in the series and an official timeline, right? Um, that's not in the same chronological order as the release of the games. Um, I want to dive into that a little bit. Um, why? How Kingdom Hearts has become what it is, um, really what it is in terms of its fan base and how the timeline is viewed and stuff like that. I mean, how do we go from a Disney-based action RPG to now this like, crazy i don't even like if i see what's going on in the newest kingdom hearts i i have no idea how it got there and everybody tells me that like kingdom hearts like oh dude the story gets insane how why had this happen what games like where did it go how did it get how did it get all crazy
2: well basically it, it stems to the ending of development for the first kingdom hearts game basically mm-hmm. namor stated that even he had no idea this game was gonna create the type of fan base it did it's just one of the reasons why, if you look back, if you if you ever played through the first game and you got through got to the secret ending, you know, there's two secret endings. You know, there's the original one, then there's the extended version. Once you got to the original original secret ending, Nomura said he put that there because he didn't realize he didn't he didn't even know himself it was going to be greenlit for a sequel. So he <laughs> so basically, if it did not get greenlit for a sequel, then that was it. You, you just had this mysterious video played at the end. And then because he, he didn't think that it was going to be continued on. And then, but then after, I think, a month after the release of the game and and how much it impacted a lot of fans, you know, they finally said, hey, you know, when's the sequel coming?
0: <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. And, and how did we go? That, that's interesting. So the, the full story wasn't fleshed out until the success of the first game really took off and then they knew okay we're writing a full thing here and we're going everywhere with it
1: what's crazy to me is they did that and it was only a three-year turnaround between kingdom hearts one and two and they had chain of memories in between that as well which is insane
2: yeah and chain of memories was created because one of the things he heard was when he when he was out and about in japan was that he uh kids always kids wanted to play kingdom hearts on the go so he <laughs> created yes. Chain of Memories on the Game Boy Advance for that reason, so people can play Kingdom Hearts on the go. So, and that also gave him more time to um, put together something for Kingdom Hearts 2. Right. So yeah.
0: So what made the decision to... So you have Kingdom Hearts 1, uh, and then Kingdom Hearts 2 comes out how many years later? About three years later?
1: Three
0: years, I think, right? And then the... And then yeah. Or is it, yeah. it five?
2: It's three. If, if three. you're talking about Japan time, it's, it's three if it's uh, if you're talking about uh, North America, it's four. Okay. okay, gotcha.
0: So so we had a four-year gap, right? Which is significantly smaller than the gap between two and three, right? So which is how many years between two and three? Uh, two
2: thirteen.
0: Thirteen. So so that's that's a whole life, That's a whole that's a whole generation later, um, which which is really crazy to think. Now, what caused this gap? this them to take this series in a direction of, hey, let's release this other game, let's release a PSP game, let's release a DS game, let's release a mobile game, let's release a browser game, and continue on the story through all these other means before we release a mainline game. What is the logic and the theory behind some of that?
2: Uh, Expansion, basically expanding characters, because in order for, for, you know, pretty much plot A to happen, plot B needs to happen, Mm -hmm. then you got plot C. So basically it's just... Since since Nomura has not created a universe yet, he had to think of something. I mean, he could have, in his mind, the number the number titles, basically relate to you know Sower's journey. So he had to create these other titles to further expand Sower's universe. You know what goes on, what happened before his time, what happened during his time, what what's going on, you know, around his time. So basically, it's just a way for him to flesh out the entire. You know universe that is kingdom hearts right because
1: because barring barring chain of memories and dream drop distance pretty much all the other games are they they don't follow swords perspective right you know you have uh 358 over two days with roxas then you have birth by sleep with um you know aqua terra and uh ventus um and you have coded with data Sora which is like a whole weird thing um and then you have the the mobile games right which is like before kingdom hearts even happened like before birth by sleep happened like the kind of ancient lore of kingdom hearts i guess you could say um
0: and then i think that's the main <laughs> one disney plays is is in the plot of all of these games like it's it's peppered in or integral yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting and integral might not be the right word i think
1: probably the, at least from what I've played, I haven't played the mobile games, admittedly, but I think in the, with Kingdom Hearts 1, I, I think it obviously, I mean, you played the like, it is integral. pretty integral. Yeah. Uh, it gets less integral, I think, as the series goes on, but like some characters will stay relevant, um, like without spoiling anything, like Maleficent is always a mainstay in the game, Oh, in cool. um, the main series. Um, I'm glad, because I, I like um, her as a villain. And like Donald and Goofy are always there, and Mickey's a very relevant character as the game goes on, but like, I guess, um, you know, like, individual characters that pop up in each world yeah. um, that are in the worlds that are introduced in each, each game generally they won't be as relevant as like, say captain hook might've been this game because he was like, you know, had uh Kyrie on his vessel and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, definitely a transition um, from what the original stuff was, but I, I do want to get into um, kind of like just, I guess general first impressions. True. How, how old were you when you first played kingdom hearts? I was 17. 17. So I was like eight. (laughs) So as a, what was like your first, like what did you first notice about this game and how did you first feel when you played it? I remember when I played it, I was just so blown away. I mean like you, you get to the start menu and it has like this crazy song by Tariu Hikaru with these crazy opening cinematics. And then like you play a little bit and you know, Donald and Goofy is there and I'm just like, Oh my God, this game's insane. Like I had a crush on Kyrie, like eight year old me, you know, things like that. (laughs) And it's just, it totally brings you into this world because with the way, like, the game opens with deep dive, you know, and stuff, um, it totally, like, lets you know immediately, oh, this game isn't a simple, you know, Disney game. Like, this, are, there's, this is going to be a deeper game. There's gonna be a lot of stuff going on here. It's not going to be um, as surface level as one might think. So, I just remember I was always, I was, like, blown away and immediately absorbed because that was probably, like, the most, like, intense um consumption of media i've had at that point in my life i probably i was like at like seven years old so what was that like for you at 17 you know kind of like the opposite end of mean um yeah Child, opposite end of childhood opposite end of
2: childhood yeah entering um adulthood i mean i mean i was coming off of a uh, final fantasy 10 you know like i like basically like at that age i was knee deep in like final fantasy so it's like just being you know here i heard about this game and i heard about it being announced at e3 2001 but i didn't pay much attention to it but then once i started seeing images of it from um publications like game um was it game pro i started to get more intrigued by it and i was like huh you know what's, you know, Squaresoft doing this time? And once I saw that, um, it had action gameplay, you know, it had Final Fantasy elements, it had Final Fantasy characters in it. I was like, okay, I'm hooked. So, you know, I, funny enough, I was working at the time and um, I bought the game, came home, after work, played it, you know, for the first, like, maybe half hour and uh, it, it just sucked me in. It was like, it basically exactly what, final fantasy did for me but instead of it had that final fantasy charm and you know with disney in it and as a person who grew up as a very big disney fan you know i one of the things i ever wanted when i was a kid was to be able to go to disney worlds and interact with the disney characters and well kingdom march pretty much (laughs) solved that there you go yeah (laughs) and it pretty much was a dream come true for me as a child you know, it it certainly it, it amazed me. Like I was like, I was like, Squaresoft really just nailed what I wanted to do as a child, pretty much.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you find the game uh, difficult when you were that age when you first played it? Not
2: really. Like I understood the concepts of it, and I was able to. Well, I beat the game first in standard, and then I, I I was like, you know what? I'm gonna play it again on harder difficulty. Did proud mode, and I finally you know i beat it just fine and got i went 100 percented it you know and then again when i got to the secret ending part i was like blown away i was like what is this <laughs> yeah, and that kept me intrigued i'm like i'm like the first thing that came on that came to my mind was are there is there, there going to be another one
0: <laughs> and then there was lo and behold there's been a lot <laughs> yeah yeah
1: cool because how, how is it how is it for you at 25.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this was this was my first time playing through. As I as I said earlier, um, I had played this game when I was very young. Um, I think around the same age as you, Matt, might have been seven or eight when it came out. Um, I played it for a little bit. Um, I think I borrowed it from a friend for a second and, and just played it for a sec, you know, and then and then kind of moved on. And um, you know, it's since then become a big thing. I think I got Chain of Memories for Christmas for my Game Boy um, a little later. But I never really dove into Kingdom Hearts, and um, you know, as I went through middle school and high school, I had friends, close friends of mine, that were very, very into Kingdom Hearts. And as it was kind of evolving into the series that it has become, and um, it was always something I wanted to get into. It was always something I was interested in because I always was into uh, RPGs growing up, especially Square, I mean Square Enix, Square Soft RPGs. And um, finally, getting the chance to play it for this podcast was really great. Um, I loved. A lot of things about this game, for sure. Um, I think it has like, thinking back to kind of early 90s RPGs like Secret of Mana, kind of the action oriented ones um, where you're actively fighting, but you also have a lot of those RPG elements. You can cast spells, you can use items. Um, This game was definitely like, for me, a solid evolution from that early RPG gameplay um, into a really solid action RPG. Um, the managing your loadout and your items, I think is really challenging and fun. Um, changing up your AP, your loadout, spell management, creating shortcuts and customizing like Donald and Goofy's actions is really cool too. Um, and I love how insanely active the game is. I mean, you're fighting, you're fighting, fighting. I mean, when you play some, yeah, you're constantly fighting, you're constantly healing, you're constantly casting spells. Um, and it's, there's no pause to select your spell, you have to kind of run and jump and cast your spells, which I kind of learned to do throughout the game so I could stay safe. Yeah, um, It was stuff like that that I think was really, really fun. Um, and I mean, all these years later, the gameplay design of this game really holds up. Um, I think it's, it's really good. The only thing is the camera, I think, doesn't hold up quite camera's as well. The camera's shoddy as hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> and especially for certain bosses, it's a little, it's a little detrimental, but um, we can get into that during the nitpicky section a little bit later. But overall, I, I loved it at age 25. I think it's a solid game. Yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of in game design at this point, too, so I'll go into it as well. Like,
1: really quick, just touching, bouncing off Lucas's point, the. And sure, you can agree or disagree. There is one plus to it on this point, but um, Lucas played the Final Mix version, the 1.5 HD, and I was playing actually the vanilla PlayStation 2 version. So. There's a pretty big difference on those with the camera actually. Where um, on the vanilla version, the original, you're you can only control your camera pretty much in like in a horizontal plane, and you're really only controlling it with the left and the right trigger. You can't use like your right stick to maneuver it. Whereas with the in one5 you get total freedom. Right, Lucas, you get permission.
0: yeah. It was it functioned kind of like like more or less like a regular camera in a modern yeah. Thing.
1: Where you get total control over it with your right stick. And it's just so bad in Kingdom in the original uh, vanilla one, because like there'll be a point where like you're at a certain angle or like you're at a corner and like the camera just won't move because you're in a a wall. So it won't let you get a different angle and things like that. And then it makes platforming hell sometimes. And it's just really, really not good. (laughs) But on the plus side, it does free up your right stick to control your menu, which when you're in combat is actually really good because you can very easily scroll through your menu instead of having to constantly take your thumb off to go to the D pad. So that was something I did find kind of interesting, but true. I'm surprised and a little shocked. You didn't find this game at all hard at 17. Um, As I know, I found it hard at 25. Lucas found it hard at 25 and I, I have the of having played this game several times over already but I remember when I mean granted I was also like 7 or 8 when I first played this game but it, I think it's kind of a hard game well, and I think
2: even today it's kind of a hard game. Well, well consider it in true RPG fashion I kind of overleveled. so
0: yes, <laughs> okay. that's, yeah that's what I was going to say this is, this, is a, this is an RPG game design thing where no they, they even say this is, this, is a, this is a thought that's out there this is a theory. RPGs are easy because you can grind so you can just keep doing the same thing over and over again, run in and out of a place and just keep grinding. And then it's all of a sudden it's an easy game. I mean, if you just play through like what I did and just play through the pace of the game and level naturally, I think it's probably gonna be hard because yeah. uh, it was hard for me. Um, I, was un- I felt like I was under leveled a lot of parts. Uh, certain boss fights took a lot of tries. Um, so it's just the way it is. My brother growing up, he would just grind in an RPG until the RPG was easy. And I would do the opposite. I was like, nah, we're just gonna go. <laughs> That's definitely
1: something I did differently this time because knowing, like, the difficulty of the game, I, I spent certain, like, points in the game just grinding out. Like, an hour I'd put on, like, a in podcast to listen to. And I would just, like, spend an hour just going to different areas, killing Heartless to, you know, get a few levels up. I really mean, quick.
2: at least you guys had podcasts
1: to listen to back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you didn't have as much of that back in um, 2003, 2002. Um, yeah, it's... um. The it's th- definitely an RPG in that sense that like grinding is just how you get how it gets easier.
0: The other thing too that was interesting is I know since I played the final mix, one one point five final mix is the, the title, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um I was able to skip cutscenes. So if I had to refight a boss or that's, try again and again uh, that's
2: infamous in the vanilla version too, especially yeah, during the specific boss fight. We yeah, had so to watch the cutscene over and over again.
0: That's pretty rough. So, yeah, so there was no. I, I mean, I was just like, "Oh, cool! This game has skippable cutscenes. That's pretty advanced for that year." <laughs> I didn't realize uh, it was part of the you final.
2: Yeah,
0: it's. um
1: Yeah, if you having to redo boss fights over and over, in the original version was like just like hell. Like imagine getting to the final boss like with riku you know, and then you're, it's just like you keep dying and you just keep having to. Listen What's to him over Kyrie? and over. Kairi's heart is in you for like
2: the umpteenth time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the days um, when people used to just like memorize that line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really?
1: <laughs> but um, yeah, not, not an easy game. And fun fact, I'm going to admit this right here on the podcast. Um, this was the, when I, when I did the playthrough for this podcast, this was my first time properly beating the game. The very first time when I was eight, we never beat the game, my sister and I. And but I knew everything that happens. I looked it up. And then when I replayed it, like I think four or five years ago, um, something like that. Same thing. I got to Ansem, and I had just something going on in life, so I'm like, I don't have the time to like grind this out and get levels. And Ansem, by the way. A ridiculous, like seven-stage boss fight that, pretty much, if you lose at any part, you have to restart the whole thing over. Very frustrating.
0: Yeah, um, even, even for Square, that's a that's a lot of phases for a boss. Yeah. That's an insane amount of phases.
1: A little, little egregious for sure, or gratuitous rather. And then, um, this time, at the ripe young age of twenty-four, <laughs> I finally beat Kingdom Hearts for the first time um, properly. Kingdom Hearts one, so I was very proud of myself. And I beat Ansem in one try. Very, very proud myself on that. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, Lucas, you had quite a struggle bus with it as well.
0: <laughs> you know, honestly, one of... Um, well, I, I struggled a lot on even Ursula. Um, and I struggled a lot on uh, the Riku-Ansem fight. Um, I think, honestly, for me, I, I was playing the game very quickly and very fast. I was playing it kind of like how one might play like a hack and slash game. Until I started like going like, okay, hang on. Let's go back to being a real gamer for a second and just look at patterns <laughs> on some of these bosses and start playing it a little slower. Um, right. and as I played boss fights a lot slower, um, I found them to be quite a bit easier. Um, and some stuff had like kind of somewhat hard counters in a way like arrow was a, a insanely useful spell that I wasn't using enough. Um, cause typically when I play RPGs, I don't play any, like, I don't really do a lot of like status effects stuff. Um, I usually just kind of go in and like hacking, like, just fight, you know, just deal damage as fast as I can and heal as fast as I can. Whereas this one, you know, you had to use gravity on some boss fights. You had to use arrow quite a bit. Um, You had to dodge in really unique ways. All of these make for dynamic and great game design. Um, But it also makes for Lucas's gaming experience being more challenging. (laughs) Yeah,
1: very much so. But yeah, I mean, just for 2002, just like a really fun game. And honestly, it still really does feel in my opinion, kind of timeless, but yeah. I, I'm definitely willing to admit that um, I'm probably I have nostalgia playing into it as well. I, think
0: I, I See, guy. I have zero nostalgia for it. I mean, I, I know it from a long time ago when I first played it when I was very young, but I mean, with no nostalgia, this game's this game's sick, man. Sure. Um, if you, I, if you played this game for the first time today, do you think you'd, do you think it'd hold up for you as well as it did back then?
2: I would say so. I mean, I'm sure it will be frustrating, but. <laughs> because, like, it's it, it is kind of out. I mean, everything about it—not everything, but some of the elements of it—is kind of outdated. Especially if you go from like Kingdom Hearts three to Kingdom Hearts one, which I did, and it's like it—it it does hold up, but uh, it does hold up well. It's like it's not perfect, but it does hold up well.
1: It really yeah. does, and like even just like gameplay side, kind of going into art and in the art style, like. It just looks good. Like I was playing, um again, vanilla PS two version, granted I was admittedly playing on a ROM. But um like it wasn't remastered or anything and, and it, it just it just looks good still. And like the cinematic cutscenes like at the beginning and the end of the game um look great still. Um, you know, and the the cutscenes where like the mouth you know, they get proper mouth flaps actually look pretty good and stuff, and it's just it was I, I was very impressed. Um, Lucas, what do you think?
0: Yeah. Um, I was going to say the same thing. Um, I, I think like mood set, set design and stuff like that are pretty well established here. Um, I, I liked it. I mean, as far as like the, the way it looked, I mean, it, it, it doesn't need, it it doesn't look like, (laughs) okay, I'll, I'll say this. Like, the hair on a character, you don't need to see every individual strand and the hair doesn't need to move like, you know, new gen, next gen, like cyberpunk level style for the graphics to be passable or good or
2: right, care. Yeah. It's like,
0: I don't need any of that, you know, and like kind of going back and, and playing this, I realized like, dang, man, we were getting along just fine. <laughs> like, I, don't, I realized yeah, how little like- how, yeah. I realized how little I care about certain like technical things that people tout when they're talking about next-gen games. I'm just like, dude, I mean, look at this. It really doesn't matter, yeah. yeah. Like, the set design is so
1: good. Like, I remember yeah. just, even now, just like, you know, exploring these Disney worlds, whether it's Alice in Wonderland or Atlantica or... I mean, Halloween Town looks awesome, and the, the character and the costume designs are great. It's just, it really creates a very... Um, that's the word I'm looking for. It just it, it really brings you in. It's a very um it really absorbs you into the game and brings you in there. And I felt like I was really exploring. Uh, I was right there with Donald and and sorry, you know, exploring these Disney worlds and seeing what was going on. And I mean, even in the original worlds too, you know, like Hollow Bastion was sick like with the when you first get there. Hollow Bastion you know, kind of is big. so cool. You see this big, um, you know, castle, right? And then it's just like these crazy waterfalls that are going up instead because gravity doesn't work there apparently. And just... <laughs> it's,
2: it's basically like true Final Fantasy fashion. It's like the culmination of like everything that your journey has been through is pretty much right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I love how it becomes like it goes from Disney fun and like, oh, we're hanging out with Tarzan and swinging on vines and stuff. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, we're in this castle fighting demon Fighting demons, flying <laughs> demons with swords. It gets really crazy. It's a pretty
1: quick tone shift, right? And yeah, speaking of that, oh. too, what I loved and is, like, I, f- I feel like you, you won't see this today, but there was a lot of actual talk of, like, killing and death in this game, which I found kind of <laughs> interesting. Because Disney was involved in it, right? Like, yeah. you have Hades saying, oh, I wouldn't mind if you, like, when you're in, in the... Um, Olympic Coliseum world with uh, Hercules and everything. You have Hades saying to Cloud, I won't mind if there's just like, you know, casualty or two have fun with it, have fun. And then you have like Clayton saying, Oh, we need to hunt and kill those gorillas and shit like that. <laughs> and I feel like you won't, you won't get that today. Like Disney doesn't Disney let that slide today. I feel. I mean, then like. again, I, I mean, then again,
2: there's me. always been deaths in Disney movies. It's like, it's always been there. I feel like though, it's never Maybe
1: I haven't, I haven't, granted I haven't watched Disney, but that's like older Disney, you know, like today I feel like if someone dies, they'll like kind of play around it or they won't actually use the word death necessarily. Yeah. Um, what's
0: the, what's the most recent Disney movie cartoon and did someone die in it? Frozen?
2: Uh, Frozen. Do you have uh Wreck-It Ralph, I guess?
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. Wreck-It Ralph. Like, I, I, I think yeah, yeah, a lot of them, they still ahead.
2: tackle the
1: issue of death, right? Like, death will yeah. still be in it, but it's very indirectly tackled. Whereas Hades is like, yeah, go kill that little Final Fantasy. <laughs> go kill that kid. Sora. Go kill that kid. <laughs> kill <Yeah>. that kid. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, it, like, you literally at one point have Sora stabbing himself with a freaking key and smiling as he does it, right? That was crazy. <laughs> Once you beat um, the Riku, Riku Ansem uh, boss fight. He just, and that's actually what I'm looking at more, but I love that moment. He's just like, looks at Donald Goofy. He's like, he just yeah, looks at doing? him and just goes like Smiles. that. Smiles. <laughs> oh, oh man. True. what was your first reaction when you played that or got to that point for the first time? If you can remember, cause that's just like, so jarring, you know, you go through this whole journey with everyone and then all of a sudden your main character is
2: just like, Oh shit. I got, I got Kyrie all up inside me. <laughs> I, it was a nice plot <laughs> twist. Basically. Like you kind of, you kind of got the feeling of that. She was there with you the entire time. You know, they dropped hints throughout the game, but like right, yeah. Once uh, you know, the Riku Ansom made the reveal to you, it was like you're like, "Whoa, okay, really." And then and then when it's like, well, Sora and Sora had to sacrifice himself to release her heart. I he was like I was like I was like, "Oh my god, Sora's going to do the thing." And he like, <laughs> did the thing, and I'm like, well, what's going to happen oh, But then my first reaction was like, "Oh, are we going to control Donald or Goofy?" Said Sora's not there anymore, or in oh, Hyrie yeah. to escape from you know Ansem when he re-emerged. I was like, all these thoughts were running through my head, and it's like, oh, we got a little Shadow Sora. No, we got Shadow Heartless.
0: I thought Sora, that was
1: cool yeah. though, again, to take a little turn to play as a, a Heartless for a bit, especially after you know they're one of the you know they are the primary antagonists of the game, pretty much one of the primary antagonists. So for some reason I that that, f- was fun. that
0: felt like a very like uh, clear game design choice of the time. For some reason, I feel like there were a lot of games back in that time or in the 90s where like you would just kind of switch characters to something else for a second. Sometimes like a villain or you transform and it just made sense. It, I was just like, yeah, this totally would happen."
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Going. I want to I want to get into the sound design a bit. Um, Ooh, I love first story. off, just to touch on voice. acting, I think the voice acting overall is pretty good. Um, fun fact, like freaking Haley Joel Osment is the one that voices Sora, which is just like that's weird. who that was. Oh, that's yeah. Funny. So, if, if you guys, anyone doesn't know, Haley Joel Osment is the kid from The Sixth Sense, definitely his most um, well-known film, Um, and he he voices Sora, and he still voices him all these years later, which is just kind of entertaining because you get to hear him like he very clearly has to make his voice uh, lighter, you know? Is Sora still watched, young
0: in the newest ones?
1: He's like 16.
0: He's, four, he's like he's 14 in Kingdom Hearts one.
1: Yeah. I think he's 16 in Kingdom Hearts 3. Is that right, Chira? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and but the funny thing is, is that like if you ever watch like, any of Hayley J. like current stuff, current things he's in um you can hear a slip of sora yeah when you, <laughs> really whenever yeah. he has a
1: moment where he has to like for comedic effect or whatever it may be bring his uh voice higher a little bit you and like oh there's sora you know like, <laughs> that's funny <laughs> uh, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, kinda, there's a clip
2: there's... on youtube where you can actually watch and when he goes off in a rant you can hear the sora in his voice it's oh pretty I, got, funny. I got i think i, I got, know got.
1: i think i know exactly what you're talking about he's yelling. it is kind of <laughs> cool though because he did this game when he was pretty young, obviously, and I I do remember like there's a very distinct change in his voice from Kingdom Hearts 1, I think, to Kingdom Hearts 2, but it works just right because he's at that age where it makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um, so I did like that, and then like, um, you know, he voices other characters too, like as in the later series, like Vanitas and stuff and things like that, so just really, really good voice acting on his part, and
0: then I think overall, honestly, the voice acting was pretty good. Lucas, did you have any I, with it? I, I was annoyed that Jeannie's voice... Wasn't Robin Williams? <laughs> it's like nit nitpicky. I think I
2: think a lot of people was, but like you gotta you gotta look at it from the perspective of like they don't want to. They already spent a lot of money on. There was no to way they were gonna of, get
0: Robin Williams to do that voice. But um, you know, part of me is just like, dang it, man. Uh, I still but no, think the guy that did Genie did yeah, pretty well. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, come on, it's it's totally it's, it, it, excusable. It's Dan Castanella, That's
2: basically Homer Simpson. That voice. The Genie oh, that's the who games. that
0: was. Oh, okay, cool, yeah. cool. Um, yeah. yeah, no, the voice, the voice acting was fine. I think it was good. Um, that was like just a quick nitpick I want to throw out there, but, um, the music in the sound, uh, oh in my the soundtrack God. is just so good. Um, and you know, th- there, there is a certain thing to be said about sta- the standard of music in like a square game, um, and how, what level it really has to be at. Um, so many like OSTs for Squaresoft games are like so iconic and just have entered the, the video game halls of fame as like just classic soundtracks. And um, wow, yeah, this was, uh, this was up there. <laughs> I like some of the epic boss fight music. The Hollow Bastion music was so good. Um, man, like the hard boss fight music, it must be like Boss Battle 2 or something. Um, it was played on Ursula. <laughs> the the Maleficent, Maleficent dragon fight, where it has, like, a sick piano roll. Oh, man. Good stuff.
2: Yeah, Yokoshi yeah. Momura did a, a wonderful job of creating the element for the music, and not just, you know, the original battle music, but also the Disney themes as well. You know, it's yes. not easy taking these iconic music from the movies and re, uh, re uh, reimagine it for a video game, you know. Just, you know, for example, like um, under the Sea, you know, playing as yeah. the default field music for Atlantica.
0: That was pretty crazy. I was sad there was no Phil Collins in the Tarzan level. That was uh, it was a real missed opportunity there, but it's it would, would have cost a pretty, a pretty penny there, for sure. Pretty penny for sure, <laughs> and then
1: yeah, Yoko, Yoko Shimomura's side too, like phenomenal. And then you get with the, you know, opening and ending, you get um, Simple and Clean with Utada Hikaru, which is just, oh my God, so, so good. Like, and she's been a mainstay for the whole series too, as has Yoko Shimomura to my um, knowledge as well. But I mean, Simple and Clean, I, I just remember my sister and I would like jam out to that when we were like eight and nine, you know, it's just so...
0: That's good. an iconic song for the series, right, people? Really yeah, that that, both, i mean every all the opening ones are pretty
1: um iconic well, like simple and clean and passion with kingdom hearts 2 and so on and so
2: forth well hikari remains Nomura's favorite theme of all time when it comes to kingdom hearts and um you know he 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 always says that you know he wanted utara like he didn't think of anyone else to sing the theme song than her so and it's pretty awesome for him to keep in contact with her throughout all these years of kingdom you know that we've waited to for you know one of the biggest fears in people's minds was when it comes to kingdom Hearts 3 was utada gonna be um a part of it yeah because there was this, this one interview that she did um that talked about, you know, doing another thing. This was right bef- this was before Kingdom Hearts 3 was even, like, I think announced. They were being interviewed in like a French magazine and um, they had asked her about you know, if she had the chance to you know, make another theme song for Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, it was kind of stated that like, well, Disney didn't, well, she didn't really say this, her father did, because her father was like her manager at the time. Uh Uh-huh. And basically her father stated that, you know, Disney didn't pay her well, or whatnot. (laughs) Really? Basically that kind of like, you know, like made a fan, a lot of fans like paranoid and scared that she wasn't going to do it. And lo and behold, you know, she comes back in Kingdom Hearts 3, with not just one, but two theme songs, you know, which even surprised Nomura, because, he didn't you know he aldemar does give give her a rundown of the the plot and the story the hypnosis of how kingdom hearts 3 was and 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 basically um skrillex who you know helped her compose face my fears was actually when the same i think it was club or something as utada was in and he had a was able to meet with her and talk to her about collaborating for a Kingdom Hearts song because Skrillex is a huge Kingdom Hearts fan and that's cool I didn't know that <laughs> yeah so it it's been a really interesting journey for Utada because she actually brought in a lot of fans in outside of Japan for these for this game so it's like like I didn't even know who I mean Utada was big in Japan before Kingdom Hearts and I didn't even know who she was until after the game was released and then after that I fell in love with their music and it's not just me but you know millions of other fans did the same thing too
0: yeah it's like the video game became a vessel for the music to really get carried worldwide and and create a big fan base huh Oh, definitely. i
1: mean and they have like full concerts just dedicated to like the orchestra versions of the game you know and stuff um or orchestra versions of the soundtracks excuse me so it's just really incredible how well it's in how iconic it's all become the there's the even a game
2: based on the music too the, yeah the, yeah the melody and memories
1: right the most recent one <laughs>
2: It's um, crazy. Have you played that yet? I haven't had the chance to get at it. If you enjoy the music, you will enjoy this game. It's it's a pretty fun. I haven't unlocked everything yet, but I mean, it's just something it's just basically a game that's like dedicating itself to the music pretty much. That's, yeah.
0: that's cool. Like that. That's that's a good good amount of self-awareness there on the devs. That's cool. All right. So,
1: I think we want to bring it to favorite moments. Um, you you want to, you want to open
0: with yours? Yeah. Um, I think my favorite moment is, um, two, two moments is just beating these really difficult boss battles. That took me so many tries. Um, the Ursula battle after finally beating that, I would kept replaying it, replaying it for like an hour, hour and a half maybe. And I finally beat it and my heart was just racing at the end. And I (laughs) felt, felt pretty good about that. Um, it was, it was a good sigh of relief and the Riku Ansem battle, um, that was an insanely fun fight. Like looking back, I'm like, man, that was just you cool. really get like, to use
1: your your sword play. In that, yeah,
0: you know? yeah, and um, you know, it's it's just cool because you start learning how to dodge certain abilities in in certain ways. You start yeah. kind of really really refining what your loadout should be. Because for me, I was I was I was probably under leveled when I got to him, so I had to think like, okay, well, I don't need this ability. I don't need this ability. I'm probably going to need a stack MP use arrow at this point in the, in the fight, wait till he starts using this attack and start dodging this direction and in this way. And I, I don't know, it really challenged me in a way that I felt was, was pretty fair, was very reasonable, very challenging, and just, just overall pretty fun. So those are my, that's, that's two, two favorite moments of mine. Uh, I think, I think for me, I'd have
1: to go with, I had, I had two as well. Um, one is just the opening, um, the whole opening sequence really with, um, you know, the, the opening cinematic with Simple and Clean and Karu playing and then um, the the beautiful cinematic that's like very kind of mysterious with like Riku and he's out in the ocean, like putting his hand out and stuff. And then the very like mysterious um, experience in what's called the they call. I don't think it's I don't know if it's called this or revealed, but it's called the deep dive where you're in like the area with the mosaic glass and stuff. Well, they call um, it a it's called Station of Awakening. Oh, Station of Awakening. That's right. I apologize. Um, Station Sorry. of Awakening is right. And then. You get like asked all these weird questions by the Destiny Islands people, like what matters to you? your friends and stuff like that, and it's just it really just immediately kind of grabs your attention in the game. And then I love when Sora stabs himself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a pretty weird um, moment. For favorite it's moment. such a
1: it's just so like out of out there. I feel like for context in the in the game spoilers, Kyrie's heart is stuck in Sora, so he has to use a um, keyblade to get Kyrie's heart out of him. To do so, what she um, Literally stabs himself with the keyblade, and it's just such a like oh what moment I feel like because he's like Kyrie's heart inside me, and he looks at this keyblade. He's like okay, and he just walks up to it. He like looks at Dolan and Goofy, smiles, and just like fucking. just just goes out of himself. He's like, it's all good, bro. And the the music, the beautiful music starts playing. And then Kyrie comes back the, you know, all the princess of hearts uh, get their hearts back in that moment. I think if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a
2: churro was your favorite moment. I have to agree with you on the opening segment of the game with the opening CGI and then going through the station awakening, because it's such an attention grabber because When you look at the cover you see, you know, of the game box, you look at, you see Donald and Goofy on the cover, and it's like, you think, oh, it's going to be all Disney, bright colors, happy, but it's like, nope, it just pulls you right into these choices, and then you have to deal with, you know, it teaches you the aspect of battle, and then it's like, and then at the end of the tutorial, it's like, you get swallowed up by the darkness, and you're like, okay, this is not, this is not the way I anticipated it. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it, that's it very what kind of shows you the tone in for the game very early, which is yeah. cool, I think. And then second favorite is the ending because it's such heartwarming to see Sora and Kyrie, you know, see each other after you know Sora had to go beat beat the bad guy, you know. <laughs> but then it's like, <laughs> but then they have to be separated because the worlds are going back to normal. Yeah, yeah, and, and they have to
1: go find Riku and do it's all such, that. It's such bittersweet stuff. It is very bittersweet and.
0: Sets the things up well for a sequel though. That it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole time I was watching that ending going like, man, there's no room for a sequel in here. Come on guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. And then we got, um, all right. Final conclusive thoughts. Lucas, does this earn your seal of approval?
0: This earns my seal of approval. Um, great game. You know, <laughs> I said everything I needed to say about it. It was fun. JRPG, super action, uh, challenging, challenging enough. And, um, Playable, no matter what generation that you're in. Yeah. And I don't think I need to go
1: into it, but obviously this gets my Segoy of approval. And, uh, and true, I get, I trust it gets your, um, Segoy as well. <laughs> Most definitely. Your, your kingdom, kingdom seal, kingdom key seal. <laughs> all righty. So we, we got, uh, Truro, we have a special little, um, section here in the podcast where, um, we all give our readings at the same time out of 10, Right. Um, 10 obviously being a perfect game and then zero being dog shit. um <laughs> and we 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 rate these we add these up and then this is the ultimate true score our three ratings put together that upsurps any other score from any other outlet whether it's IGN Metacritic whatever have you this is the one true score we are the true Keyblade wielders sound good yeah okay. all right so um I'll, I'll count us down on the count uh on, on the count of three. One, two, three. On the count of three, we'll each give a rating. All right, here we go. Okay. One, two,
0: three. nine. 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 All right. Wow. Three, nine. Wow. That's, a, that's 27. A good, that's good. That's wow. That's that's really good, actually. Wow. wow. 27 out of 30 for a game. It, it, yeah. It's it it close to perfect.
2: Expecting. But, you know, like I said, if this game was uh, the way I, I was telling talking to this with Brendan on the podcast, if, there was a remake of kingdom hearts with the kingdom hearts three system then it has a chance to be perfect
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think i i agree 100 percent too and that's a thing too like kingdom hearts three the 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 combat in the game is really fun but then it's like the rest of it the story is kind of all packed the. yeah that's a podcast for another day i apologize <laughs> um <laughs> all right everyone i think that's all we got
2: time for today uh churro where can we find you online my friend you can find me on twitter with uh, the name churros it's c-h-u-r-r-o-z and then you can find me on twitch which is twitch.tv slash i churro and uh, you can find me on instagram too as well same thing as my twitter churros with a z
1: Right on. And everyone, if you haven't had the chance yet, check out his Kingdom Hearts podcast, Kingdom Hearts Union, host with Brendan. Super fun podcast, really, um, especially if you're a fan of the series, really great way to kind of keep engaged with what's going on and what's happening with everything. Um, and as well as the final fantasy podcast, I think you're... I don't yes. know if you're ever on that one, but I know it's in the same general network. And then, of course, everyone, if you uh, want to keep in touch with us here at Thanks for Playing, you should us an email, thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on, oh, we have so many handles now, on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at TFU Podcasts, that's TFU Podcast with an S at the end. You can find us on TikTok. Um oh on uh thanks for playing pod on TikTok where Lucas is on his quest to become a member of the Sway House, Sway LA and hashtag phase Clan. And if you had so much fun with your favorite host, Matt, you can find me on uh on Twitter at GoodIdea Matthew and on Twitch excuse me, at twitch.tv slash good idea Matt. And Lucas, where can we find you?
0: All right, Matt. People can find me. <laughs> sorry there's just so <laughs> many handles there we know, have so many handles now um uh yeah guys check me out on uh, instagram twitter and twitch at good idea lucas i'm pretty uniform these days got it all on one handle that's how we like it keep it simple simple I'm really and pl- jealous sim- i can't be as simple angry. and clean simple Am and right, clean boys? there we go all, right, yeah. <laughs> all
1: okay. right and if you enjoyed the podcast please feel free to leave a review leave a rating all that fun stuff it really helps us out Alright, I think that's all we got today As always everyone, this has been Thanks for Playing Skibbidabop! Thanks for Playing is a production of Good Ideas Only Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockabee Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna, and our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch
2: Red Circle.